0: Well hello everyone and welcome to Journey Live. We have the amazing Kim Riedel as a special guest along with uh, the usual suspects. We have Dustin Spicy D, we have J-Rod. Uh, Jeremy is not with us, they just had their second baby and she is so cute. You can see her on Facebook. Etta Willow, I think. Etta Willow, is that right? Or? Oh, that sounds good. That's yeah, it. It's a unique name, it's really cool and and uh yeah, just uh, be praying for them and it's amazing to have their second child and Jeremy I think he even fainted or somehow I don't know the story behind that. I'm
1: sure we're gonna have a full six sermons on it, so
0: <laughs> Yeah, he my my joke is that he saw his life flash before him and he fainted, you know. Nice. <laughs> but, uh, the concreteness of being a parent, you know. That's, uh, I don't know. So but I hope you guys have been enjoying the show as much as we have. We love just getting together to talk about the Bible, because the Bible, there's nothing like it, right? Everything, heaven and earth will pass away, but the words of God, it will never pass away. And it, it just has such a profound effect on our life. And not to uh quote Forrest Gump, I will, but he said, you know, life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Well, every time you open up the word of God, you don't know what he's going to say to you right? And I know right now we need encouragement, we need hope, we need guidance, and so I hope that today as you're listening, as you're commenting, or even asking questions that you guys would receive the Word of God in your life that would bring you uh, great encouragement. And talking about encouragement, I wanted to ask each and every person, what was the most encouraging thing said to you, and how did it impact you? Let's start with our special guest, Kim.
2: You know, I'm really glad that you asked this question, because when I think back over my life, there were there were so many times, I think, especially as a single mom, where I felt alone, I felt all alone, or I struggled with loneliness. And I remember there was a season in my life, it was probably like a whole year, where I must have like heard God in a 100 different ways say, I will never leave you or forsake you. I would read it in a devotion, I would read it on a bumper sticker. I mean, everywhere I went, I, it was like that verse. God was God was constantly highlighting that verse. And I think one day finally that truth dropped into my heart and that loneliness and that sense it just went away. And I and I realized that when I woke up in the morning, God was with me. And and, and to me, one of his the greatest promises that he's given us is his presence in our life. That he'll be with us, that he'll never leave us or forsake us.
3: Yeah, yeah. for for me it's words of encouragement and affirmation is it's like my love language. So when I get words spoken into my life, it, it makes a big difference. And whether it be I remember two specific times of my parents just simply saying, I'm proud of you And that that means a world of a difference when you are trying to, to live up the standards as a child and you're, you're doing the best you can to hear those words. And the same thing, uh, for my wife to say, I'm, I'm proud of what you're doing. It makes the world a world difference. And like to prove it, I've had these little notes with me. One's from my mom and one's from Steph. And I carry these in my wallet and I've carried them. It must be at least 12 years now, uh, each of them. So when I do get down in the dumps, I'm able to pull out these words that mean something to me. To see that I, I do matter to someone and uh, I'm doing good in some way, shape or form. So uh, thank you, mom, dad and stuff for encouraging me all these years.
1: That's really good. I love that. I'm going to add on to the encouragement of it. Um, one guy, Larry Peeper, told me one of my biggest weaknesses was asking for help. But the one that I was thinking about that really made sense to kind of amplify what you guys are saying was. I remember, uh, one of the pastors, Ed came up to me and I was doing a bunch of like labor work, setting up the patio and putting up, uh, signs. And he came to me one day and, and I've been doing it almost two years and he put his hand on me and he goes, you know, every time you put up a sign and, uh, you do the, the stuff, you're actually, uh, giving the gospel to someone. you are know, getting the right opportunity to get to church. And I didn't really ever see it that way. I saw it as kind of a, you know, a, a, a minimized task. And what I got from that is God sees everything that we do, big or small, and God is well pleased. And I wish I heard that more from him, but it like Dustin said, it really helped me out. It could put me in perspective. And in today's ministry, I walk around a lot of times and try and say, thanks for doing hospitality. Thanks for doing this and that for the church because it means a lot.
0: Yeah, I don't think we realize that we can really live and die by the power of our words. And I just thought right now, if you're listening, that maybe you could uh, just stop what you're doing. You could write a note, maybe uh, write a card or text somebody an encouragement, right? Somebody that is important in your life. And because, you know, we don't we don't do it enough, right? Like we don't we don't stop it and, and, and encourage someone. And I, I know all of us, we can use that encouragement and And even for me, like last week, just dealing with anxiety and stress, like I just felt like as I was going through my prayer walk that the Lord just spoke, yeah, kind of what he spoke to Kimberly was, you know, I'm never going to leave you, forsake you. Like, no matter what you're going through, I'm going to always be there. And that just brought me a sense of of comfort in my life. And I know other people have spoken encouragements to me as well, because uh, even us as teachers and being a part of the church, like sometimes you feel like, well, I'm not doing anything because I'm on Zoom. You know, I'm talking to a digital audience and I know uh, some of you have encouraged us. Yeah, I like that. Uh, This is, this is helping you out and helping you get through. And so, yeah, just, uh, we just appreciate you so much, but we want to jump into our text. It's a continuation of last week and I title it Living to Build Up Others. We're going to be in Romans 15, one through seven. So if you want to grab your Bible, uh, maybe a coffee or something to drink, we're just going to get started and have. Hey rod uh start us off so i got mine both ready to yeah. go so. we got my coffee right here let me put this on the screen
1: yeah 15 1 it begins like this there it is we who are strong must be considered of those who are sensitive about things like this why do mine always got to be the sensitive verses that's not scripture by the way Mm -hmm. we must not please ourselves we should help others do what is right and build them up for even christ didn't live to please himself as scripture says the insults of those who insult you O god have fallen on me that's a really good place for us to be especially as we get in uh, as we're in this season of, uh you know, just trials and tribulations and earthquakes and, you know, riots and protests. I mean, it's really I would honestly I was just thinking about this as I was driving uh, uh up to do this message. I was pulling in rushing to get here and I was thinking about something that just happened like 30 minutes ago in my life where the gospel and God is not just for me. I'm supposed to have an encounter with God so that others can be have that encounter with God. Too often, the God is just for me, and our worship in the last ten years has turned into uh cheers, God and yay, God. You're only for me. You're only here. You're only see me. And I love the presence of God, and I want everybody to have that. But it's to fill you up so that I can go out and be an. A, a, a light into the world, salt and light. I have to be a preservative of the gospel. We aren't here to please ourselves. We are here to build each other up. And right now, our society needs a ton of building up. Our our, our people need a ton of building up both sides of the aisle politically, both sides of the argument. We all need to be encouraged and built up and make each other feel comfortable with who we are in Christ. Christ wants to lift both sides up. God wants to bring unity and us as the church should be living to build people up.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great point that as a church, we're here to be builders, right? And builders of, of people. And yet, kind of what we're seeing is that um, there's there's a lot of uh, tearing down, right? There's a lot of tearing down of others, and and I just want to go into that because uh, before we talk about how to build up other people, let's talk about what are ways that we tear down others. What do you think, Jeff?
1: Yeah, uh, we are. You know, we tend to tear down everybody in our life. That's uh, that's what we do. I mean, by our human nature. We tend to, you know, I I don't know about you guys. I know how words destroy me. I feel like a lot of times the ways that I get torn down and destroyed is just someone saying something. And maybe they're not even meaning to hurt me, but those words just tear me down. And so then my words have to be uh, a couple of messages ago I did on James where am I am I building people up? And am I that that frog telling you you're going to die or am I that frog that just keeps working? to build people up so you know one of the things that uh, i know i heard early on in a church was that gospel uh uh, or gossip uh gossip sorry gossip can destroy a church i remember when we first started our church where we were all concerned about gossip because there was a lot of gossip going on between us and crossroads and we had to kind of swell up Uh, stop that and say, we're not going to gossip. We're not going to be anything negative. So I know that was one that we worked on very hard early on about making sure we were a church to build up and not be a church speaking ill will against anybody or any church. Mm -hmm. It's really good.
2: You know, I was thinking about um, sarcasm. I know that I grew up in a family that was super sarcastic and we like to tell jokes sometimes at the expense of somebody else. And I, you know, at the time, you know, when you're young or when you're doing it, you don't really, you just think, you know, you're having fun. But I've come to realize that sarcasm usually has just a hint of truth in it, but you take it and you twist it and then you laugh at the expense of somebody else. And so I'm, I, I'm not saying I'm not ever sarcastic, but I try to be really careful about sarcasm, because I remember there was a point in my life where God started teaching me a lot about blessing and cursing, and I realized without even thinking about it, sometimes the words that we speak are actually cursing other people. You know, even our own children, we might tell them, oh, you know, you'll never amount to anything, or why are you, you know, why why are you so um difficult or you know why are you so stubborn or you know we we speak these things over our kids and and it might be true but we're actually like cursing them and so it's like using our tongue to not hurt people and not curse them but to build them up.
1: Brothers and sisters can have sarcasm though right? Oh
2: sure for sure. Yeah. <laughs> That's a
0: good point Kim.
3: Yeah. Let me just turn on a TV and see some ways that we're tearing each other down. Um, if if you look online or you look on the TV right now, that's all you're going to see. It's rare to see any positivity anymore. And it's just these these verbal words and, um, you know, put downs. It's closed mindedness. There's negativity rolling around. Uh, all these things are just tearing each other down. Um, you're, we're shutting down opinions of other people we're stopping growth from other people. And we just continue kind of categorizing people and saying, well, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what you're talking about. And it goes back and forth. So no one can get anywhere. Uh, so we continue to just break each other, tear each other down with these words that can pierce someone and hurt them for a lifetime. What what Kim is saying is these words that you're speaking into existence of uh, people carrying around this hurt, that. Could shape their whole lives based off of what you say at, at such a young age or at some point in their lives. So, uh, unfortunately, uh, that's all we see nowadays. There's all these negative comments flying around.
0: Yeah, that's that's so true. You know, and as Christians, we're accountable for every word. And I I actually firmly believe that when we're standing before, um, standing before the Lord, that He's going to show us like what what the. Things that we spoke and how they affected other people, whether good or bad. And that's a scary thing that something that we could say could affect someone the rest of their life. Right. That is a, a very scary uh, thing to know that because the words do have uh, such power. Um, now that we talked about that, and I'm sure uh, you guys in the comment sections could add to that conversation as well. I wanted to address what are some practical ways that we can build each other up?
3: I mean, for me, like I I started off with, it's these words of encouragement. I I try to be a modern day cheerleader. A lot of the times where you're showing this, yeah, a little hoorah, uh, you're showing words that are positive. You're showing love to people. Uh, you're being understanding and also quick to forgive. You're showing all these things in a world that, that desperately needs to be built up right now. So we need to be aware of what others are doing in our lives. Uh, and applaud their efforts at certain times Uh, share in their successes you need uh, to acknowledge their success and also encourage in their pursuits of whatever they're trying to do in their lives and when we help one another you actually find out that we all win in the end so um i just encourage you guys kind of how jeffrey started this whole thing of putting in the comments some encouraging word or, or texting someone right at this time we need to uh uh, just a practical way of, of being, of bringing in these ways to build each other up is simply saying, hey, I support you. I'm here with you. I love you. I uh, can't wait to see what you're going to do next.
1: Yeah, I was thinking myself was uh, um, on building people up uh, as I'm I'm a. I'm a encourager. Me and Dustin have that same gift. Uh, we did our, we did our, uh, what was it called? the Myers-Briggs, and we yeah. had some of the same characteristics of building people up. But one of the things that I do when I read the Apostle Paul is, and and somebody told me this a long time ago, Jeff, if you can continue to walk a, 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 a straight path with God, it doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be godly. Godly men fall. It says we stumble, but we get back up and we go forward. And uh, one of the things that I try and encourage people or build people up is I try and live a life Uh, uh, for Christ and show that it is possible. Uh, Week in and week out, every time I'm blessed to be able to speak on stage or say uh, something like this, I hear people say, I I get so much encouragement because of of you kind of being able to fight all the battles and how open you are. So that's encouraging to me. And it also continues to uh, want me to be a testimony. I think we have a walking testimony of someone saying, that's what the gospel can look like. It doesn't mean that I'm perfect by any means. It just means that I'm open and willing. And the apostle Paul says, follow me as I'm following Christ. And so I just want to build people up in that way. I do love to cheerlead like Dustin says. I think that's one of my gifts. But I also think kind of following Christ and then saying, hey, let's go. Let's get a group of you following in that same direction. So. I
2: definitely think that... um, Words of encouragement uh, build people up, but another way that I like to um to build people up is by speaking the truth and love to them, because sometimes in my own life and and even in other people's lives, um I'll become aware of a lie that maybe I'm believing about God or about myself, and it's actually harming me. But when I align my life with the truth that's in scripture, or when I speak a truth to you, um, then that can build you up and help you recognize, oh, wow, I didn't realize. Um, like, for example, some people might believe the lie that God doesn't really love them, because if he really did, why have I gone through all these really hard things in my life? But the scripture clearly says that he loves us and that he gave his only son to show that love to us. So it's like helping people to recognize, you know, that's not true that he doesn't love you. He does love you. Um, And so you speak truth to them and then um, you help them get rid of lies in their lives so that their lives become more stable and they don't doubt God's love.
0: Yeah, I definitely think it's important, you know, like just reading Proverbs about, um, you know, uh, we even wounds from a friend are better than kisses from your enemy and how sometimes our friendships, you know, you, you, speak truth and it. It can even wound people because the truth hurts. But in the end, it's like, it's supposed to, it's supposed to help you and build you up, but it has to be done out of love. And I just love what you guys are saying. I think we need more cheerleaders and critics. You know, it it reminds me of a, a food critic, uh, Jonathan gold, who's no longer alive. And I was really blown away about how he, um, Rated restaurants because if he, if he went to a restaurant and he didn't like it, well, he wouldn't write a review or say anything uh, negative about it because he knew, you know, these guys are, are trying, um, their hardest and he didn't want to hurt their business. He didn't want to hurt their reputation because, um, his words are powerful. He, he was well known. But if he did go to a restaurant and like, uh, their food, he would write a, a raving review. And his reviews would cause that restaurant to literally be famous overnight, right? It would change their their lives, especially as a, a restaurant working um working really hard. And I that just blew me away and it just seems so simple, right? If you don't have anything good to say, don't say it. Um if you have something positive then then say it. But that was just to me, it just blew me away because you don't think of critics that, that act like that. And so but yeah, let's uh, continue moving on. We're going to talk about some hope and encouragement. Dustin's going to read this verse 4. Let me put that up there.
3: All right. Verse 4 says, Such things were written in the scriptures long ago to teach us. And the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. And I I see these... Two points in that scripture that I absolutely love and I, I highlighted in my Bible, it's the beginning part. They were written in the scriptures long ago to teach us. So that's first part of what we got to take away from this text. The second part is that it's meant to give us hope and encouragement. So when you you take those and you try to dissect what this is trying to say, it's scripture is meant to be used for reproof, correction, and instruction into righteousness, um, is all inspired by God's Word. So I, I take that as a way that I need to first be learned and, and try to understand what these scriptures are saying. So I use the Bible as a guide for myself on a reflection, that that mirror property that uh, J-Rod talked about on Sunday, that it's you're able to see how you're doing in your own personal life, your own walk, um, before you start doing other things. So as I learn from this text and I see God's character, I see how we are supposed to love and encourage what the scripture is saying and, and use this for hope. Uh, because right now, so many use the Bible to make their own little Bible snippets and, and kind of formulate what they want the Bible to be saying um, into our beliefs and our wants. And now it's being taken out of context. So instead, they use instead of use scriptures for harm. Um, instead of the encouraging and the good that it's supposed to be used for. So if scripture is meant for encouragement, then why are we casting stones with it? Uh, I think the more that we understand, and that's by diving into scripture and, and trying to learn more about it, I feel that we will be able to work on ourselves because we will then be trying to understand more and more who God is and what this scripture was intended for. So uh, when we're able to, be taught first and really start to digest and understand what it is, then we can start seeing just the power behind that scripture of how it can change lives and bring hope to people that that desperately need it. Yeah. So good. I know for uh, many
0: that sometimes uh, the Bible is not, it's not an easy book to understand, right? A theologian said it best when he says the Bible is inspired, but it's not often uh, inspiring, right? It can be confusing, hard to read. And especially when we read it, we can almost be thinking about other people or, or using it to judge other people. And I thought it'd be awesome for our listeners to to uh, hear about how you personally read, study, meditate on the scripture. And how do you allow the the Bible to give you hope and encouragement instead of it becoming this tool uh, to be used in an argument?
3: Yeah, for, for me, when I... I begin to get in a place where I want to study and meditate on scripture, uh, I, at the end of verse four, it says, uh, we patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. So when I get into a place of getting ready to read and start to to learn and have this teach me, I get into a place where I'm looking for God's promises and seeing how real he is and how it affects my life. So when I'm studying, I'm I'm looking for what the Lord is trying to He teach me and tell me at that time what he's trying to reveal to me. So I I stay quiet personally. I try to take myself out of the equation and try formulating scripture about what I want to see and instead take myself back to the author's original context of what's going on. So here I'm trying to go back to where Paul was and saying, what are you trying to say right now uh, to reveal to me so that I can better understand to show these things out in the world? So Personally, I get into a quiet place, take myself out of it, just see what God is trying to speak into me. I, I appreciate quietness because then I feel that I can really have no distractions around and God can reveal himself to to me in a clearer way instead of my ADD nature and trying to catch every little thing moving around.
1: That's after about
3: 1215. Yeah, I'll be late. Only good thing, you said nothing good happens after 8. I think everything good happens after 8 p.m. That's the that's the witching hour.
1: <laughs> I was thinking about uh, this question. I, I say it a lot. I ask questions, and I was taught early on, put yourself in the text. Find where you can uh, put yourself in the text and just kind of ask the question, what in Jesus or the Old Testament, am I in this place? Where am I at in this text? Right now I'm reading uh, first, uh, first Samuel, I just finished Kings and, uh, I'm in the Old Testament. But one of the examples that I can show you on how I put myself in the text, we've seen it done in church a lot. But in Corinthians 13, the love chapter, you just put your name and it, it says, Jeff is patient. Jeff is, uh, kind, not jealous. Jeff is not boastful or proud or rude. Doesn't demand his own way. He's not irritable. He doesn't keep his own records of wrong. Doesn't rejoice about injustices, but rejoice when truth wins out. Jeff never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures uh, in every circumstance. I mean, that's the way that I try and read it. I try and jump into the text. And here's the thing. I'm dyslexic, and so I've always had a context matter. So I have to do this for me because I can lose context pretty quickly because of my the way that things kind of translate in my brain. I, I've, I'm i I'm reading and I'm also thinking about 17 other things. And so like Dustin, I have to be quiet and I have to read it seven times and go, where are you in the text? And so that's been helpful for me. And then lastly, uh, Jeffrey Barnett, you've really inspired me this year with the soap and, and stuff. Uh, just doing uh, some of the new studies that you've been doing has really helped me. And I just want to say thank you i know god has really spoke through me during this season and it's basically uh i'm going to just lay it all on your lap 100 percent because of the book you
0: gave me it's been awesome yeah if you guys are wondering what book that is it's uh the the life journal right um it's a it's a bible reading plan and you do the soap acrostic and we can put more information about that uh, in the in the uh, later in the chat so but what about you, Kim? Like, how do you uh, get the most out of scripture and get the hope and encouragement? I know, um, you have a, a unique, unique view on that.
2: I, I think for me, what, what helps me a lot is I, I take the scripture similar to Jeff, but a lot of times, um, I keep a journal. So if there's like a particular, um, scripture that, um, I feel like God is kind of highlighting to me, or a, a certain portion of scripture. And sometimes what I'll do is I'll actually take that word and turn it into a prayer. And I might write it out in my journal, or I might take the scripture and I might pray for it, or I might ask God, like, what does he want to change in my heart or my life about that particular thing that he's bringing up? And so I think um, I wholeheartedly agree with Jeff. It's like, the more you can take the Scripture and interact with the Scripture and allow God to speak to your heart and to change you with the Scripture, the more you can pray the Scripture and think about the Scripture, um, the more it's going to become a part of who you are, and it will actually change you. And um, and it's kind of, I like to call it a love letter from the heart of the Father. So if you read it like your father, you know, he's sending you his love through this letter um, and looking for the father's heart in the scripture and his promises to you and his hope and his encouragement and your inheritance and all those kinds of things, then you'll read it, um, you know, and, and, and understand it's for you. Yes, it was for the Jewish people, but, and it was for the early Christians, but it's also for you. It's for us today.
1: Can I add something real quick? I, That conversation Kim just had, she spoke to me that same conversation in her trailer 17 years ago on a missions trip. That same exact conversation she sat down and had almost exactly those same words to me sitting in her trailer saying the same thing. And that's why, Kim, you really helped me use the gospel. Sorry, I just wanted you guys to know that that was the same conversation we had a long time ago, and it's been huge in my growth.
0: Yeah, I know there's so many people out there that struggle, or maybe you're in a rut with your Bible reading right now or understanding it. Um, there's decades of experience here. So if you guys, uh, have any questions or need help, uh, you can ask, uh, you could write in the comment, right? And we'll get back to you because we've all been there. You know, we all have dry seasons where it's, it's tough and it's, uh, we're wrestling with it, but we want to make sure that you're getting the most out of it because this is, uh, this book is, is truly life-giving, right, if you take the time to invest in it. Well, well, I want to keep moving on, and, and Kim's going to read the next part about uh, patience and encouragement and living in, in harmony. So this is the next phase of that. And so I'm going to put this up there.
2: All right. Verse 5 says, May God, who gives this patience and encouragement, help you live in complete harmony with each other, as is fitting for followers of Christ Jesus. Then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I honestly believe that as we're living in a time where people are divided, um, this is telling us right here how we can have complete harmony. God is the one who brings unity. He's the one who gives us patience and encouragement, and He helps us to live in harmony and that that goes that goes whether it's you know in a relationship with a husband and a wife that goes in a friendship that goes in a church. Um, God is the source. And, um, I, I believe that if we truly want to live in harmony, um, God is the one who's going to give that, that harmony to us. And I love what it says that when we have harmony, then we join together with one voice and we give God praise and glory because we recognize that without God, it's impossible for us to live in harmony. Um, we focus on our differences. We, you know, we focus on maybe our social or economic status or our race or our politics or whatever. But God is the one who, who, who wants us to love each other. He wants us to get along and to live in harmony with each other. And, um, and when he does that in our lives, um, then we want to praise him and we want to give him glory. And so I, I think. I think it's really important, um, especially at this time, as we're seeing a lot of um, that we're seeing that people are not in harmony. Um, I'm so excited that I know that God can actually bring harmony where there's not harmony.
0: Yeah, I definitely believe that that comes from God. Right. Harmony. Um, It's just it doesn't come from our human nature. It doesn't come from humanism or man's wisdom right? All those things will just produce uh, control, right? One one party or one person controlling other people and, and just trading control. But truly, harmony comes from, from God. It is, it is an amazing thing. And I know uh, Kim and her background as a missionary in Mexico and how challenging that was because on the mission field, you deal with difficult people. You're dealing with different cultures, different missionaries, different denominations. And I would just like uh, for you to share with the, our listeners of how you learn to live in harmony despite kind of those conflicts.
2: I, I think a couple of things that God really taught me on the mission field. One of them was there was one particular friend that I had, one of my closest friends down there. And there were a couple of times that we had some serious conflict. Um, and we all have different ways of dealing with conflict Um I'm the kind of person who likes to go in and come up with a resolution to talk it through. And, and, um, but some people just, they get angry and like they don't want to talk. And, and so it, it became very challenging. Um, and so this one particular time, um, I remember this friend and I had a huge conflict. And she refused to talk to me. She refused to answer my text. She refused, like, it was just like, she basically cut me out of her life. And it was very heart-wrenching for me. It was very difficult for me. But I remember I would go out and I would walk the dusty roads um, on the way to the beach to Mexico. And I would cry out to God. I would pray for her. I would bless her. And I chose to forgive her. And I would ask God to restore that harmony and that fellowship that we once enjoyed as friends and as co-workers um, in the ministry. And so I I think, again, what I want to reiterate is the more that you take scripture and you put it into practice. The Bible says, forgive as you have been forgiven. Bless and don't curse. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So it's like you can only do your part. You don't have any control over the other person or their response. But after it, it actually honestly was like probably a two month process before that person came to me and we were able to like, um you know, kind of reconcile. But I'm so thankful that um I just persevered. I just kept praying. I just kept forgiving. I just kept blessing. And then eventually there was reconciliation and restoration. And so I, I'm telling you, I think when you discover that, um, God's word and the principles that are in it, they work every time. Maybe not immediately, but they work in bringing harmony. Um, you will put them into practice, whether it's in your marriage, whether it's in your family, and with in your ministry or whatever it is. So, thanks for letting me share.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah, I was
1: thinking uh, on twofold. First of all, uh, being in a uh, ministry, uh, we're not harm- harmonious every moment of the day. Uh, ministry's not for the lighthearted. It seems like it's an awesome position to be in when you go to church but there's a lot of stuff underneath that you have to get through and our staff meetings might be the most healthiest staff meetings in in the area but it doesn't mean it's easy and that we're always in agreement it's not that way we have to work towards that so i was thinking about that but barnett was laughing at me earlier about being locked up and how do you find harmony in a place where people don't care about you right and that's kind of where we're at in society in some ways. People are so worried and focused about themselves and not what God wants to do through them or in them or with them. And I was thinking about being locked up, and it's been a while now, so I'm not that familiar with it. But I had to find common ground with people in different different places in life. I had to look for things that were similar, and I had to use that as a bridge to a conversation or a bridge to safety in that place. And we do that in life, too. We look for commonalities so we can find harmony so that you can see that I do have experience or I've been in your shoes. I understand when I drive by a homeless person what it feels like to have a little bit of homelessness in my life so I can find common ground and a a business person as well. So living in harmony for me, I have to have these Jesus type glasses on. I have to look for the commonalities in Dustin and Kim and Odell and people in the church. And in that, I start to see the harm—the harmony of the gospels. What the gospel
0: work in my life? That's so good. Thank you, Jeff.
3: Yeah, I started to, to think about this. I, I mentioned last week that restaurants were tough to work in, but I can think of another. Uh, for instance, was when I I played in sports, and I'm what's known as a boring person. And uh, what you know, it's shocking around sports that doesn't always fly. Uh, it, it's common in a collegiate level where they're constantly doing extracurricular activities that are not approved by the the police. (laughs) Um, it's a constant party scene and they, they don't care about certain people. And I, I had to be in that situation. How do I find a balance where I'm not just always left out? Um, and what Jeff was talking about, J-Rod a little bit ago is leading that example. So I found that it was my calling to just be me, and live the way that I was and um, let them be them at the same time. And they can actually see that um, I wasn't such a bad person trying to install some of these virtues. I wasn't cramming it down their throat. You got to be a better person. You can't do this. You can't do this. I was actually saying like, look, I'm able to survive without doing those things. Maybe they wanted to take a page out of my book. It didn't always work, but they didn't always have to then go and do these other things all the time around me. Because at the end of the day, uh, if I'm being true to whatever I'm doing, I'm the one that has to go home and look at myself in the mirror. I don't have to be living with other people in that regard. So I just tried living in harmony by being myself, uh, showing them my true heart and hoping that, you know, if they're supposed to be in in my life, then they'll remain in my life. Maybe God wants me to work on them. But if not, then they're going the other direction. Start working on some other people you know
0: this is so huge you guys uh living in harmony you know there's we we could live in hatred but that would make we're going to tear this um world apart living like that you know it will become literally a, a living a living hell a living nightmare for everyone and um i'd really feel like the spirit's prompting me to, to challenge not only um you all out there listening but us here to um i i really believe a way to bring harmony is to Pray for your enemy, right? Right now, you could stop this video. Think of maybe someone that you have animosity towards and just begin praying for them, beginning, not praying God's judgment, but praying God's blessing on them, right? We're supposed to not curse our enemies. We're supposed to to bless them. And I know this might really uh, upset some of you. Well, I really feel like this is the Lord, right? To stop. If you have anim- animosity or hatred towards the police. Uh, pray for them right now. If it's towards a, a political party or a political person or the president, stop and, and pray for them. If it's toward your brother or towards someone in your family, uh, pray for them. If it's towards a, a race even, maybe you're dealing with some of that racial tension, just stop and bless them and pray for them because I just know that the, the power of, of doing that, it's going to get your heart right, and then God's going to deal with that other person. You know but this hatred is just gonna to have to stop i I know that kind of hopefully that doesn't derail us, but we're gonna do that afterwards. I feel like we gotta you know get right too we all have um we all have offenses we all have even uh anger or even hatred in our hearts even and we gotta get that before the lord and so i wanna kind of close with this last uh verse um and I'll put this up here in verse seven and it it continues that thought it says um Therefore, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you. That's huge. So that God will be given glory. Remember that Christ came as a servant to the Jews to show that God is true to the promises he made to their ancestors. What a powerful verse right there. That Christ has already accepted you. He's accepted you with all your faults. He's accepted you with all your failure. With all, with all our sin, he has accepted us. And yet we don't. we don't accept other people, you know, and this this, this just baffles me, everyone, like, why why are we um, rejecting, or why are we slandering people when Christ has accepted them, Uh, even though we know that we don't deserve that as well, it's just such a powerful, powerful um, verse, you know, if we really knew, if we could really be there in Calvary, and see Christ just, um, praying for his enemies while he's nailed to that cross. Like, that, I think that would completely change the way that we thought of our enemies. If we just saw him, you know, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He was blessing his enemies, even though they they were pinning them to the cross. I don't, I can't fathom that. I can't imagine that. I mean, that just brings conviction on me of like, wow, like how many times have I wanted to repay evil for evil? But let's um, close with this last question of, What is true biblical acceptance? How can we show that?
3: I think a biblical acceptance, uh, it's an understanding, the fact that God, uh, everyone is accepted. Kind of what you were just saying right now, Jeffrey, uh, because it's this acceptance that shows God's love in the end. Uh, We must be able to offer acceptance, but not necessarily our approval. So God calls on all believers to accept people from all walks of life. But that does not mean he wants people to approve of everyone's actions. So no matter what people do or who they do it with or how they do it or how long they do it, uh, we are to love them. So you are to accept them. That does not mean you approve of what they do. God loves you, but it doesn't mean he approves of everything you do. So love is not saying, I approve of everything you do. Love is saying, I accept you in spite of what you do. Wow. Yeah i'm done this is
1: really good dustin thanks buddy that was awesome um you know one of my favorite places in the bible i all you know since i've been a dad with all girls for a long time i always look for scriptures in the bible uh where women are involved because i'm growing women so to speak or women in the gospel and one of my favorite places is where the woman's caught in adultery. I think I spoke on it on Mother's Day uh one time. Probably not the best text for Mother's Day, uh, but I remember talking about this. And there's a moment, and in this moment, Jesus accepts this woman, and then everybody in the community accepts him. And one of the places, so he gets down and starts writing on the ground, and he starts, you know, all the people have their idea, but he's got all these men that want to destroy this woman because she was the adulterer. And she was part of that. And Jesus wanted to intercede on her behalf. And he's writing in the ground and he's probably, I don't know, I'm just uh, speculating. He's writing people's sins in the ground. And uh, uh, people just put down the rock and say, like Dustin said, is I don't have to agree with this, but I also have to look at my own sin. I have to look at how God has accepted me. And that's what uh, Jeffrey just read to us is accepting each other as Christ has accepted you in verse seven. And so one of the questions I have is, Lord, what were you writing on the ground? I can't wait to go to heaven. It could be some time because my kids and family still want me around. But I am going to ask him on the thing is, what were you writing in the ground? I'm just curious. And what a great way to convict and help people and change that that. That moment in the gospel changed that city and the way that people saw sin and saw adultery. It was powerful. So powerful.
2: You know, I think one of the most painful things that we experience as human beings is rejection. And I think that everybody in one way or another has been rejected in their life. And I love what, um, what Paul told the Ephesian believers. He told them that they were accepted in the beloved. Um, God loves you and he accepts you. And when you receive that love and that acceptance in your heart, that's what gets rid of the feeling of rejection and of not belonging. And once you understand how much God loves you and accepts you, then you can extend that love and that acceptance to others. And I believe at this time that what God is wanting to do is he's wanting to heal that deep wound of rejection That's in every single one of our hearts. And when we understand that we're loved and we're accepted by God, then that, that can really bring us to a place of wholeness.
0: Well, that's so profound. You know, I think everybody does have a wound of rejection, right? And that's the biggest fear of many people, whether you know it or not, is to be rejected, right? Maybe if you're, because of your race, or because of your beliefs, or because of uh, who you are, but that right now, just God is just extend, extending ex- acceptance towards you, and just wants to shower you with grace and love, not only for you, but for, for everyone, and And that's how we're going to get through this um, situation, just in our country, is just by showing grace and love, and, and receiving that from other people, but I just want to thank you all for uh, joining us, I'm just going to have everyone just share a uh, a final thought to leave you encouraged. And so uh, who wants to jump in?
1: I can do it in 10 seconds or less this time. Last time everybody made fun of me because I was like 27 seconds. But Here it is. If you use the Bible as a weapon versus using the Bible as a mirror, it doesn't create acceptance. It creates distance. If you use it as a mirror, it creates harmony in your life and the life we're around.
3: Good. Yeah, I think it's time that it's we need to be building each other up and stop chopping each other down. That's what it comes down to.
2: Mm-hmm. And I believe it's God's heart's desire that we discover the hope and the encouragement from him and that we bring it um, to our communities and to our nation. I think it's time for the people of God to rise up because we are the solution. To the problems that are happening in our country
0: amen to that i I believe that there's no solution there's no long lasting real solution other than the gospel solution and it's because we we have the Word of God we have the truth we have the holy Spirit, and we're called to be uh, to reconcile uh nations to reconcile people right and so I just encourage all of you to, uh to be that right to be praying for um, not only um yeah, just to be praying for this nation, praying for the different groups that are fighting uh, to be as reconciliation as uh, to be doing that as, as possible, because blessed are the peacemakers. And so thank you for joining us. We hope that you guys uh, engage us in the chat and we'll love to hear back from you and uh, we'll see you next week. Take care. You guys.